welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. So um, anyway, with the times that we're living in, I believe we're still on the right series here. So turn with me in for, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to keep talking about the phrase, quote, there is a way out, end quote. There is a way out. Out of what, Pastor? Any adversity, any temptation, any test or any trial that ever comes to us, as a Christian, there is a way out. I am. Um, I wanted to say something before we get into the rest of this. This is just there's I wanted to make clear to you that this is not the only church service we have every week in the church. We have a Wednesday night service where we're teaching on prayer and we're actually doing some praying. And it's a powerful thing. I felt like I needed to say this because some people with what's coming up in our country, you might need more than one service a week. OK, just newsflash. But um, even if nothing was coming, you still need at least more than one service a week, just like you need more than one meal a week physically. You're going to need more than one meal a week spiritually. And um, there's also healing school on Monday at noon, every Monday at noon, except this coming Monday. It's a holiday. We're taking that off, holiday, so to speak. And then there's a rise shine every Monday on online. That's an online and some other things coming up as well. Um, I just, I glanced over here and saw some of our young people here. Um, the young people, you go ahead and raise your hand, you guys. These, these guys right here, they just graduated out of youth group. And guess where they're at still on Wednesday nights? Since they're not in youth group on Wednesday, they're in here. That's powerful. That's absolutely the way it's supposed to be. Youth graduate from youth group, and they still come to church on Wednesday night. What's that called? That's called holy and powerful. It shows me that they're quality kids, plus it shows me that the leaders over them must be quality because something went into them to where you guys still want to come on Wednesday night. That's amazing. Don't ever let that slip. That's absolutely amazing, especially in the times we're living in. And we just needed to say that. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's look here at verse 13. You might want to go home and read the entire chapter to give you the context of it, which we'll not take time to do right now. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's look at verse 13, and they'll put it up on the screen as well. The Bible says, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Faithful to do what? He will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation, not the giving of it, but the allowing it. With the temptation, he'll also make a way to escape that you may be, may be able to overcome it or bear it. This is an amazing scripture. We felt led to talk about for a while there is a way out. When you think there's not a way out. There is a way out. When the doctor says there's no way out, there is a way out or God's not faithful. He's faithful to not allow it to come if you didn't first have the power to overcome it. 
It's like God regulates it and filters it and makes sure that if the enemy's going to throw something your way, are you going to open a door to something? He's going to filter it and make sure that it not, it's not going to be something that can destroy you or take you out. Now, if you notice the word to make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it, that doesn't mean you automatically will. It just means you're able to overcome. Able to overcome does not mean you're going to overcome. You have to use the ability that you have to overcome if you're going to see overcoming power in your life and actually get out of something and not be you know, destroyed by it. But one of the greatest things the Lord told me in this series, tell the people, son, that no matter what comes their way, there's a way out. I will show them if they'll seek me. I will show them the way out. I will give them instruction. I will tell them what to do, what not to do, what to read, what not to read, where to go, where not to go. I will get them out of anything that comes their way if they will look to me. Now, I know if you look at a lot of people's lives, it looks like this scripture is not true. But we're not looking at people's lives. We're looking at the scriptures. Right. We're growing. We're developing. We're moving higher. I mean, there's things that have come my way that I wish I would have made it out of, but they ran their course and I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to back off from these teachings. I'm going to go deeper in these teachings because I'm not, I know I'm on the right track. It just might take a little more seeking, a little more diligence in seeking the Lord, and I'm going to find that way. If you want, if you're interested in a way to get to a certain place, you need to be interested in the map that tells you how to get there. I know we've got Siri today or whoever today, but... Um, you need to be interested in someone who knows more than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So if the doctors tell you there's no way out, that's not God saying there's no way out. That's right. If your feelings are telling you there's no way out of this mess, that's not this scripture telling you there's no way out. You say, well, pastor, that's talking about temptation. Exactly. And I want to um, give you, again, the definition of the word temptation. If you look the word temptation up, in the original Greek language, this is what the New Testament came from, it means by implication, adversity. There is no adversity gotten a hold of you that's, that's not already experienced to other men and women around the world. But God is faithful. He will not allow an adversity to come your way mm-hmm. that, w- that would annihilate you. But rather, He'll make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Um, if, you, if you read in Galatians 4.14, you don't have to turn there. If they get it on the screen, that's fine. But in Galatians 4.14, Paul talks about coming to the churches at Galatia and talking about how they were so kind to him and helped him when he had a temptation in his flesh. And the Young's literal translation talks about a trial. Paul said here, My temptation which was in my flesh... You despise not nor rejected, but received me even as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. And the Young's literal translation of that word temptation in that verse is a trial in his body. Something was going on in his body. Something was hurting him. He got delivered from it. He got out of it. But it's interesting he used the word temptation to a physical adversity. So temptation is more than just being tempted to steal. Okay? Or tempted to cuss. Or tempted to get drunk. All right. Temptation means adversity. And if you think about this, you know, when it comes to sickness attacking your body, 
Sickness is really not the biggest deal and issue in your life, even though it feels like it is. The biggest deal would be doubting that Jesus is your healer to get you out of that. Because sickness, you know, it's, it's a natural thing that may try to come against us at times. But really, that's not the big problem. And if all you're focused on is the sickness, what do I do with this sickness? How, how do I get out of this sickness? How about, how do you just believe Jesus is your healer in the midst of it and watch it leave your life? So really, the temptation when sickness comes is to doubt that Jesus is your healer. Because if you can overcome doubt, sickness is no problem. I said, if you can overcome doubt, sickness is no longer the big problem. The biggest problem is doubt, unbelief, because all things are possible to him that believes. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. Healing from AIDS is possible to him that believes. Healing from cancer is possible to him that believes. What do we do with that? Well, we need to dig into it. We need to dig into it and we need to go deeper than we've ever gone. Um, Did you know that healing is more about resisting the devil that says you won't be healed this time than just trying to get God to heal you? Healing is about resisting, not just about praying. The Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, if the devil himself will flee from you when you resist him, then what, how about things that are just of the devil? Well, they're going to flee from you too if you resist them. If you resist them. If you resist them. Um, in Psalm 34, 19, I wanted to show you this before we go back to 1 Corinthians 10. You need to realize that there is a way out of every adversity, test, or trial. You need to know this before the next one comes so you don't freak out again. Can I get a witness, church? You need to know this deep in your spirit. There is a way out of every adversity, test, and trial. Know this before it even comes so you don't freak out and get into fear and wonder, oh, I wonder if I'm going to make it. Of course you're going to make it. God would not allow anything to come our way that we couldn't get out of and endure. But look at what it says here in that scripture. Go ahead and put it on the screen. Did I, Psalm 34, 19. Did I say it already? Psalm 34, 19. Psalm 34, 19. What does it say, church? You're not going to like the first part of this. What does it say? What does it say? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Hmm. Not sure I want to live this righteous life. Not sure I want to get saved. No, you do. You do. How many of you would rather have guarantee victory out of every problem that comes than just one problem that might do you in? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Doesn't that sound like 1 Corinthians 10, 13? God is faithful, who not allow you to be tempted, tested, or tried above that you're able, but will with the allowing of the temptation or adversity also make a way to escape that you may be, may be able to bear it. Wow. Now, you and I both know, we talked about this in previous lessons, you and I both know that adversity is going to try to come our way even when we're living in the perfect will of God. And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you live in a fallen world. There's a devil and demons, but you can overcome it all. But we also know there's adversity that comes our way because of our wrong choices and our carelessness. Well, pastor, what about that? Will the Lord help us out of that? 
Absolutely. He will totally, there, whether you created the adversity or whether it's just coming to you because you're living a godly life. Friend, there's a way out of all of it. And, and this scripture says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. But if you're going to come out of some of these afflictions, you're going to have to learn to love a certain word. Anybody want to take a guess what that word might be? Huh? You're going to have to learn to love a certain word to come out of certain adversities, especially if you open the door to it through wrongdoing or carelessness. I'll give you, I'll give you a clue. It starts with an R. <laughs> Repentance. I, I'm so... I'm so bewildered why some people in the church today think that's a bad word. I looked up in 2 Peter 3, 9. It's got two words, perish and repent. Which one do you like? <laughs> Which one do you like? The Bible says the Lord's not slow concerning his promise, as some men count slow, but he's long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Which one do you like better? Perish or repentance? repentance. Which, which word do you like? Well, if you, if you don't like perish, you better like repentance because that's, right. that's how you don't perish. That's right. And repentance simply means making course corrections in your life. Well, things that may look little today could cause a whole totally different ending 10 years down the road. We need to be very aware of the, the corrections that the Lord wants to bring our way because I'm telling you, there's some things that will not get fixed until people change, until they turn around and say, Lord, I admit, I'm sorry, I judged myself, then you won't be judged. Right. Repentance is a wonderful, life-saving word. Actually, 2 Timothy says that the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, able to teach, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, peradventure, will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Wow. What's that called? That's called bondage, being captive by the devil at his will, snared into something you can't get out of. And the Bible says, peradventure, God will grant that person repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Why? Because the truth will make you free. Well, repentance is a gift from God to get out of stuff you couldn't get out of any other way. God will grant them repentance. That's a gift. Who gets repentance? Those who really want help no matter what. I mean, why give a gift to somebody if they're not going to accept it anyway? You know why some people have a hard time repenting? Because they really don't want to let go of some things. Yeah. They're sorry. They feel bad. They shed a few tears. But inside, they still kind of like that life. You know, they still kind of want to hold on to that. And how many of you realize there's nothing worth forfeiting what God has for us right. in this earth? Right. Nothing. We asked the Wednesday night crowd because we're praying for our nation and we're praying for healing to rise in our land and we're believing God for great things. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. What does that mean, humble themselves and pray? It means praying more than you feel like it. Mm 
humble themselves and pray. Well, I'll pray as long as it's convenient. I'll pray as long as I have time. That's not humbling yourself and praying. That's praying as much as you want, not as much as God wants. Mm -hmm. But if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, you know what that means? That means we're not just asking God to give us things. We need to let him ask us to do some things. Seek his face. Get direction. And he says, if my people will turn from their wicked ways... That's an interesting phrase. God's people turning from their wicked ways. This is more than falling down and getting back up. This is a lifestyle that you need to acknowledge at times. It's not in line with the scriptures. I've been making excuses. I've been shuffling over because everybody else is doing it, thinking it's not that big of a deal. You need to recognize that way needs to be turned from if you want healing in your land. Turn from their wicked ways. So what does it say? If my people will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That's a promise of Almighty God. We're taking that scripture to him on Wednesday nights and saying, God, you said. And we're expecting good things. Whether it happens all over, but it's happening in our land. Our property line or whatever. You know what I mean? And I I thought it was interesting. Put 2 Chronicles 7, 14 on the screen, if you guys would. God said the previous verse, that the one I just quoted to you, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 talks about epidemics and all kinds of problems happening in the country. Things happening that are wrong and terrible. And God said, if these things happen, here's how to get out of it. You ready? If the right president is elected, no. Is that what it said? It said, if the right president is elected, there'll be healing in the land. No. Hey, the right president can be elected. The best person on this planet can be elected. And four epidemics break out. How many know the right president is not a fix-all? We better spend a little more time on this than other things. Vote right, yes. Do the research, yes. Yes, do, do what you got to do. But when it comes to spending most of our time, we better be doing Because he didn't say if the world or if the government does something, there'll be healing in the land. God said, if my people do something, there'll be healing in the land. Who's got the answer to all the problems in the land? How about we lay off the government and start taking responsibility? God said, if my people do something, there'll be healing in the land. If my people do something, they'll be healed. If my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I, um, I kind of, I sense the Lord is going to deal with the church in 2022 about this word repentance. Now, it's real interesting when it comes to the word repentance because it's so easy to see what other people need to repent from. How about we examine ourselves? Let me say this too. Repentance is not just stopping bad things. Repentance is getting on the ball and doing those things the Lord's been talking to you about doing for three years now. Repentance is not just dealing with stop this wicked stuff. It's start doing this good stuff that God's been dealing with us about for years. They're sins of omission. That means we're omitting something we should be doing. And then there's sins of commission where we're committing an act we shouldn't be doing. And I'm not sure exactly where the Lord's leading us in this, but I'm telling you what, he's getting us ready for the best year of our life. 
best year of our life. He's getting us ready for the best year of our life up till now. I wish I could say the entire church is going to go this direction, you know, worldwide. I wish I could say the entire world is going to jump on board, you know, like Nineveh. I don't know what's going to happen in other parts of the world, but I know what can happen in our part of the world. We can have the best year of our life. But this word repentance needs to be understood as a gift from God, a wonderful life-saving word, and something that we all need to be open to every day. Every day. You know, it's interesting. I was reading an article. I think it was 1979. Uh, uh, a passenger aircraft took off from New Zealand and they were going to go fly down to the Antarctica and they were going to um, do some sightseeing. They had 257 passengers on board. And they took off and experienced pilots, great pilots, but they'd never been to this area before. And they took off and they had gotten the coordinates and those coordinates were a minor two degrees off when they took off. And I guess they didn't check, you know, check to verify as much as they should have. And they took off. And so when they got to where they thought they were supposed to be, they were 28 miles off of where they're supposed to be in the sightseeing uh, pattern. And there was a mountain, Erebus, I think it's called, a little over 12,000 feet. And... They were lower than 12,000 feet because they started descending, thinking they're at this other place 28 miles away, but really they were over here and they didn't know it. And they crashed into the side of the mountain and everybody died. Everybody say, minor. 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 Not minor then. Right. It was a minor, two degrees off. Two degrees off. Well, after a thousand miles or so, that's, you can miss a whole state that you were supposed to be in. How many think minor things the Lord's dealing with you about can be very major 10 years from now? This is why we need to read our chapter every day, Monday through Friday. Huh? <laughs> Come on, you guys know about the chapter reading, right? Monday through Friday. It's on the website. There's markers in the, in the connection group uh, store. There's store. Um, center. Going to church keeps you on track. As long as you're going to a church that believes in the full gospel. And people are being honest. Right? Well, minor things today can be major things 10 years from now. I thought it was interesting. Jesus one time was talking about two tragedies that happened in his day. One was a building falling on people and killing 18 people. <laughs> We're getting into that there for a second. Again. Hey, it's the day we live in, right? Um, so he talked about the Tower of Siloam falling and killing 18 people, tragedy of the day, kind of like 9 11 or something. And then he talked about a bunch of people who went up to worship with their animals and to do their sacrifices, and Pontius Pilate, for some reason, got demon possessed or something, and said, Go kill those people while they're killing the animals. So he starts chopping up the people while they're you know, trying to sacrifice their sacrifices unto the Lord. Just a massacre. Terrible. And Jesus said, do you think these people who got killed in the Tower of Siloam, and do you think the people that 
got killed through that Pilate massacring all those Christ, uh, believers, Jewish people who were worshiping? Do you, do you think these people that got killed were worse sinners than all those sinners in Judea? He says, I tell you, no, they were not. They were not worse sinners than all that were in Judea. But he said this, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Interesting. Except you repent. And when he, when he, I keep praying for revelation on that, and the Lord keeps giving me more and more. One of the things I saw in that was this. Most people have similar outcomes at the end of their life as those people, whether it's a disease, whether it's a car wreck, whether it's something that's just tragic, pain and heart. Most people have that. And I think one of the reasons is, is they're just not interested in course corrections every day. Because two, two degrees here, one degree there can mean an ending that's not real good. Right. And it's going to take somebody who understands repentance and understands looking to God hour by hour and being open and saying, Jesus, you're Lord, not me. It's what you want, not what I, most people are doing their own thing. Yeah. And it, it messes with the end of their life. It messes with their departure. It messes with the, the things down the road. And, and people perish similar to those that Jesus talked about because they haven't understood this word repentance and haven't learned how to implement it in their lifestyle. Like a pilot makes course corrections like every moment or two, especially if there's wind and stuff, even if it's on autopilot. Things try to blow you off course. I mean, if a pilot just... <laughs> autopilot's good, but it ain't that good. We need to love this word Repentance. Change. Make an adjustment. Course correct. I was asking Carl, how many, Carl, how many people do we know have actually left the earth without disease after they lived a great life and did the will of God? It's very few. I think that can change. But we're going to have to like this word repentance. Huh? We're going to have to like correction. Can I, can I just ask for a show of hands? How many of you would like to be corrected by the Lord if it meant you fulfilling God's perfect will, living in protection, and leaving this earth without disease? Anybody interested? About half of you. That's good. It's better than a quarter. <laughs> Praise God. Now, for the other half, who just don't really care, get a vision. Get a vision. If people don't care about certain things like this, they have no vision. Now, I know most of you didn't raise your hand because you just didn't want to for some reason. But I've, I've been studying this. I've been thinking about this in my life, in, in being a pastor. There's a lot of people and Christians who don't really care about some of the things I'm talking about. They're just going to exist until the Lord comes and then they're going to be in heaven. Or exist till they're gone and they'll be in heaven. What's that called? That's called, I'm, an ex I'm existing mentality. How about a different mentality? Like, I have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. I got a divine purpose and a plan and a royal decree. And I will fulfill it and nothing's taking me out till I get done what the Lord told me to do. I'm going to supply the part in the church that I'm called to supply. I'm not going to go AWOL. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to do the will of God until the very end. And when I leave here, I'll be satisfied like Paul. I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I've kept the faith. These things are real to me. There's rewards in heaven. There's eternal significance. I guess, I guess Jesse's trip to heaven, you know, Jesse Duplantis, friend of ours, 
who went to heaven, I guess one of the things he shared recently is when he got to heaven, there was a lot of saints in heaven. There are some saints that had white robes, but that's all they had, no rewards. They had white robes, they were there, but no rewards. And then there was others that had amazing rewards and power. (laughs) I mean, just... See, right now people say, well, I don't care about no reward. I don't care about rewards. You say that now. Wait till you see the meeting that's about to happen. King David comes down to get rewards and the the praying mamas come down and get their rewards and the the housekeepers and God's church come and get rewards and the prophets come and get rewards. And all you guys are white robes. Oh, you're in heaven. That's cool. But I got white robes. It's kind of (laughs) nice. How many want more than a white robe? Hmm? Then you have to be interested in doing the will of God now. Finding out what his plan is. Amen? So you have to watch out about not wanting to be corrected. And when I talk about correction, I'm talking about stopping a way of life you know is not in line with God's will for your life. When I'm talking about Correction, I'm talking about, and repentance, I'm talking about doing what, the, what you know the Lord told you to do and getting back to your first love if you left it. You know, there's a lot of people that got tired and bored and discontent and ruffled and they left their first love thinking maybe that wasn't God's will. Maybe this over here is. No, God was faithful. He led you to the right word. He led you to the right camp. There may be geographical changes here and there, but friend, if you're called to a certain teaching and, a, and you've been with that teaching for 10, 15, 20 years, don't go thinking the Lord's calling you to something else. The enemy wants you out of your place. He wants your end cut short and messed up. And that little, what seems like a two degree adjustment there can mean the difference between living another 10 years or being cut short early. And most people, when the, when the wreck happens, they're looking around. Oh, what, is what do we need? Let's, let's see what we can find. What, 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 the mountain, it was the mountain's fault. It, it was a downdraft. No, it was a, how about before you even took off, there was a problem. Who goes back that far to see why they're in the mess they're in? Who, 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 who goes back 10 years to see why they're in the mess they're in? Smart people. So I guess that's Faith High Church. Right? Let's go to one more scripture before we close. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. So one of the ways out of adversity is repentance. Mm. Can, you, can you please bear with me? Go to Revelation 2, and then we'll go to 2 Peter 3. Revelation 2. I've heard through the grapevine that um, there are some people in Christian circles that don't think Christians have to repent or need to ever repent again because grace covers everything. Well, I guess they never read Revelation 2. So look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. This is, this, is, this is Jesus Christ giving John revelation concerning seven local churches 
in Asia, Asia Minor now, and he's talking to Christians here. He says in verse 1, John, to the angel, or we could say even pastor of the church at Ephesus, write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Just a little side journey for you. Jesus is seen holding seven stars and he's seen walking in, in, among seven golden lampstands. Look at the last verse of Revelation 1. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches, local churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So where is Jesus? The angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the middle of the seven golden lampstands. Where's Jesus? I mean, really, where's Jesus? He's in local churches that are called of him. He's in local churches. What's he doing? He's walking around. Right? Checking things out. There with all power. Now notice, notice. He said, Jesus said, I know your works, church at Ephesus. I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them that are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience, persevered and had patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Can you be doing good things for the Lord and still have left have left your first love? Remember, I say remember. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen and repent and do the first work. So now he's talking about your first love being something you used to do. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. I'll give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Who gets to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God? Those who repent. Now this is interesting. He's telling him, he's telling him, get back to something. Even the Beatles understood that. Get back to where you once belonged. Even the Beatles get it. Christians need to get this. There is such a thing as stray sheep. There is such a thing as going AWOL spiritually. There is such a thing as leaving a place you were ordained to be. And I know it may not always be geographically, but, but the teaching, the emphasis, the revelation. I know people personally who have been brought up by the Lord in the word of faith. You know, believing the full gospel, victory for everybody. I know multiple people in my life who today blaspheme the very message the Lord led them to years ago. Angry at the message. 
despised the message. And one of the reasons is because it didn't work for them like they hoped it did and they gave up. I'm praying for them to be restored. You have to watch out about demons and offense and flesh pushing you away from the place God originally called you because that's your first love. That's your first love. What's our first love? Getting back and doing something that we used to be doing. I'm going to have to wrap this up, but turn to Second Peter. Well, actually, before we read here, look at verse um, eight. And unto the angel of the churches. No, I'm sorry. Is it eight? Uh, let's see. Yes, let's look at verse eight. No, it's not eight. Look at. Um, Verse 12, to the angel of the church at Pergamos write, another local church, Jesus said, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell. I know where Satan's throne is and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have... You have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I also hate. Repent, or else I'll come unto you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I'll give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone. And on the stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So again, he tells the church to repent. Why? Because he loves them. How many of you would like to know if there's a mountain ahead and you're flying an airplane <laughs> and you're in clouds? How many think it'd be nice to know if the tower would radio and say, hey, dude, <laughs> like uh, turn the wheel. You know what I mean? Or give it some gas and get up higher. I mean, I think that would be somebody trying to put you in bondage. You don't put me in bondage. I'm a pilot. I went to school. I know how these things work. You don't put me in bondage. You're not going to put me in bondage. I'm going to listen. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Repentance will save your life. Let the Lord deal with you at the beginning of this year about things and ways in your life, ways of thinking, ways of talking, attitudes that maybe aren't 100% in line. Well, that's just a little thing. I, you know, I'm a little mean once in a while. Little mean once in a while after 10 years could mean crash, bang, boom, not too long from now. How many think little adjustments are important? Do we have any pilots in the room? Right there. Yep, we've got pilot. You, you, you've got to be very respectful of little things. Are you listening? Because little things can cause bad endings. I think it's time the church really seriously look at repenting from violations of love. Stuff they've been watching on TV. That's leading them down a road that's not that big a deal until later. I think Christians need to be very, very cautious about drinking alcohol because of where it could lead. I know people right now that didn't drink alcohol until they were in their 40s. 
And then they went to a church that said it's okay and kind of pushed it. And now they're drinking. And not only are they drinking alcohol, they're living with people they're not married to. And then what's next? Who knows? What's it leading to? Where's it going? Glass of wine, fornication. What's next? Adultery? Divorce? Kids going through hell? <clears throat> What's it leading to? Should be the question. Not just, oh, this is a little thing. What's it leading to? Come on, if a little glass of wine. I, I understand. We've, we've got people. We, I know people who are on, who are to drink a little glass of wine every night because of medical issues. I understand that's like cough syrup, you know. But you could take a little glass of wine. And if you're not careful, that little glass of wine, I promise you, will most probably turn into adultery within a few years. It has the power to do that. Very few people can keep it at a little innocent glass of wine. Very few people. And if you're one of those... I personally don't drink wine. I have no need for it. But people need to start looking in some of these areas because what are we not willing to give up to see COVID gone? Because God said he'd heal our land if we turn from these things. What are you not willing to give up? <laughs> you say, Pastor, that's a little hard. Come on, church. Let me tell you what's hard. Is it, being in the hospital can't hardly breathe. That's hard. Yeah. You know, put, putting you on a ventilator. That's hard. Seeing loved ones die young. That's hard. Pastor, you're a little hard. Would you rather have hard words and maybe jar us into something? Or would you rather go through some of that other stuff? No. I'd rather have a few hard words in church. Right. I'm sure the church did not want to hear Repent. Get back to your first love. I wish you were hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. If I preach something like that, half of you wouldn't even come back next week. You know why you wouldn't come back? Because you need to repent and you don't want to. I'm telling you the truth. I've had people, I've seen people get in this groove. Oh, okay, Lord, I'll stop. I just hate it when people get in that groove where it looks like the point of no return. But then I have to believe, no, there's miracles. There's miracles. Praise God, there's miracles. I've seen it in too many people's faces. I've seen it. When I see their face, I could tell they're on their way out. They're on their way into a life that has bumps and rocks on it, and it hurts to see that happen. I wish people would just work things out. I wish people would just repent. Say, Pastor, did you repent? Oh, boy. Yeah. I had, some per- I had one person one time I heard that they said, well, if Pastor John can do what he did, then I can do what I'm doing, and God will forgive me. Uh, newsflash. I repented. Did you? Because this person could still be living in sin today, thinking, well, Pastor John messed up in that area. So, um, you know, I can mess up in that area, too, because he's doing great. You want to know why I'm doing great? Do you want to know why I'm doing great? I hit the dirt. I talked to elders. I gave other people testimony of what happened in my life. I did things that were very difficult to do. I talked to my wife. I had to become totally honest. I had to repent. I had to say, God, forgive me. I deserve death. Please give me some time. And he did. So if you're going to claim what I got, you're going to have to do fully what I did. I didn't just sin and get away with it. I repented. I wasn't just sorry. And I wasn't just afraid of punishment. I repented with the Lord's help. And it's amazing. 
And it's time for the church to analyze and evaluate our life. Violations of love, check it out. You know, fornication, lust, things that we've said, well, it's not that bad, you know, it'll be okay. Come on, church, we can do this. We can do this. This is 2022. We can do this. We can come up. There's a wall. Christians need to get back to where they're supposed to be. Oh, come on, church. Are you listening? We can do this. We can get out. We can go higher. What would repentance do for our country? Just read the book of Jonah and you'll see. Destruction was coming in 40 days and they repented. Destruction didn't come in 40 days. Changed even a word from God that didn't have to come to pass because they all repented. And they were violent. They were shedding innocent blood. It was weird what was going on in Nineveh. A couple hundred thousand people and they all repented. The king, everybody. And they cried out mightily to God. And God didn't have to destroy them. Let's stand up, church. Let's just close our eyes for a minute here. Father, we know you have great plans for the church this year. We know powerful things are going to transpire in your church. We know the pressure of the devil to get us blown apart disjointed is probably stronger than ever. But because we're going to stay in your word and because we're going to stay in prayer, we're not going to get blown apart. We're going to stay right where we belong, doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not going to veer off. You have faithfully led us and guided us and helped us for decades. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for the power of God working in our lives. If your heart agrees with this, just pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you, direct me, guide me, help me to see if there's anything in my life that I need to adjust, start, stop, forsake, hold on to, chuck away, whatever. I want your perfect will. Thank you, Jesus, for your anointing and your power. To help me to do everything you've called me to do. Now, before I call up Dominic, I just want to say this, that some of us need to go home and kneel beside our bed and put our head in the pillow and talk to the Lord for a while about some things that we haven't done that he's been telling us to do or that we need to stop doing that he told us to stop doing. Friend, don't wait. Don't wait for a big problem before you realize it's important to get things right. Don't wait for a big adversity against you or something in your flesh or something trying to get a hold. Don't wait for that. Repentance is a life-saving word and you don't have to wait for destruction to make these changes. You can make them because you believe what God's telling your heart. You can believe that what he's telling you is right and best Oh, thank you, Father. And you can go into the future without anything bothering your heart, without anything between you and God, and everything as much as lieth in you, right with other people. You can have the best year of your life, but you got to be interested in the word repent and correction. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 